May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Happy Advent, Happy New Year of the Church, as we enter this season of preparation, of getting ready, of being awake. You read the reflection in the window yesterday, you heard me talking about the preparation for three different Advents. The, the idea of three Advents goes back to the 12th century in the Christian tradition, at least. And it's these Advents that we are preparing for all at once. There's the historical Advent that we celebrate in the Nativity, December 25th. There's the Advent of Christ that is coming to us now each and every day of our lives. And then there is the future Advent when Christ will come to reign. During this season of Advent, our lectionary readings always begin with that future Advent, and then they migrate to the preparation of the first Advent, of the Nativity, as we lead up to Christmas. So on this, the first Sunday, we focus on the future coming of Christ. And this is the Advent that we know the least about. You know, we know about the, the first Advent, the historical Advent, because we have all of our records about it within the Gospels. We know about the second coming because we experience it. We experience Christ coming into our lives each and every day. But this future Advent, when the kingdom will be made complete, when Christ will come again, is blurry. The image is fuzzy. We don't exactly know what it's all about. Now, some people will claim to know all about it, they will tell you what it looks like, what the exact timeline will be, what exactly is going to happen. Many have even made predictions as to when it will be. We still have hear about these every so often in the news. As somebody declares, the world is ending in a week or two weeks or sometime like that. But our scriptures are vague about what this coming of Christ will be like. We hear different accounts that don't necessarily agree with each other. We often hear about this Advent through metaphor and parable and apocalyptic tropes, sort of language that's intentionally cryptic. The one thing I can say for certain is that everyone who has claimed so far to know the exact time has been wrong. They haven't gotten it right. But in speaking about this future Advent, even the theologians are confused. They advocate for a wide range of beliefs from an imagined sort of detailed plan of how everything is going to happen on the one extreme to on the other suggesting sort of an incorporeal coming of Christ in the form of the Christian community. For me, when there's a lot of confusion, I find myself where I normally do, sort of in a place of unknowing but trust. I mean, on the one hand, I believe, as we say every week in the creed, that Christ will come again in glory to let judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. But I don't know exactly what that means, so as far as the details, I leave those up to God. Those are God's concerns, and God will take care of it. I think that's where faith comes in for me. 
If we turn to our gospel reading today, we find Jesus teaching the disciples about things to come. I imagine that Jesus took the time to address things to come because the disciples were unsure of what was going to happen. This is Jesus' last week in Jerusalem when he's walking around and spending time with his disciples. He knows and they know that somehow he will be leaving them. And so he spends a lot of time speaking about what is going to happen in the future. What we hear in this week's gospel is just a little part of his entire teaching. And frankly, taken out of its context, it's a little terrifying, as many of these eschatological teachings and texts are. It's part of the nature of prophetic texts. Prophetic texts tend to use this sort of apocalyptic language to get their point across. It's a tool to wake people up, to say, are you really listening? In our tradition, the point of these texts is not to tell us exactly how the future will unfold, but if we just find the exact key, we can unlock the future. But it's to elicit change in the here and now. We see this frequently in the Hebrew Scriptures, as the prophets tell about future terrible events that never come to be, but as a way of encouraging people to change, to be different, to think different, to live differently. This prophetic and apocalyptic language would have been familiar to the hearers of Jesus. So when he went into this, they would have understood what he was going to say. It's sort of like how if we hear the words, once upon a time, we know basically what's going to follow. We know we're going to hear some sort of fairy tale. I'm not saying that Jesus' words were a fairy tale, but I'm trying to say that this is a trope. It's a literary idea that the hearers would have known. In today's Gospel from Matthew, we hear Jesus comparing the future coming of Christ to the flood. Yes, there's the idea that only Noah was prepared, but just using the flood carries its own terror. I mean, the flood wasn't particularly pleasant of a story. The entire world got wiped out, except for one family. It doesn't necessarily inspire hope or joy. And then we have the other image, the other image of two people being together and one of them suddenly being taken. Two normal people going about everyday tasks. Two men in the field. Two women sitting, pounding grain. And one of them just disappears. So what are we to make of these images? One thing that we make is that these words of Jesus are serious. He is calling us to be serious and take serious the things of the future and the coming future when he will come again. The other thing I think we can gain some insight into, if we look at the Swiss biblical scholar Ulrich Lutz, and he suggests that this image of two people together and one be taken away serves a different purpose than to just scare us or to frighten us. Rather, its purpose is to include all of us in the need to be ready. 
he argues that in this story, there's not sort of one guilty person and one righteous person, and the righteous person is taken. And that unexpectedness of not having known who will go and who will stay encourages all of us to be prepared for the final advent of Christ. It's as if some of those around Jesus got puffed up and said, well, you know, I'm good enough. I don't have to worry about anything. And the story of unknowing who's going to go, who's going to stay, says, no, we all have to be concerned with this. This teaching of Jesus resists the urge for anyone to say, well, I'm okay. There's nothing left for me to do. Let me put my feet up. We all need to prepare. We all need to be ready because Christ's coming will be sudden and the timing is unknown. The images Jesus used shouldn't inspire terror in us for fear's sake. But this prophetic, apocalyptic language is meant to advocate for change in the now. Change that all of us need to take on as no one is exempt from this cause. In many ways, tending to this future coming of Christ is tending to the current coming of Christ into all of our lives. The invitation here on the first Sunday of Advent is to prepare, to be ready, to cultivate ourselves, to live as if Christ's Advent may be today. Now, frequently, we think of Preparation is something, especially in our spiritual lives, that's onerous. And with these overtones that we hear in Jesus' words, we can get stuck in a mind frame of do it or else. And we don't think that's what's going on because there's joy in preparation. There can be excitement in anticipation. Think of how we prepare for Christmas. There's joy in trying to find that gift that is going to make our loved ones light up. There's joy in preparing our favorite foods. There's joy in gathering together with family and friends. And similar to this, being prepared in a spiritual sense doesn't necessarily mean taking on a heavy and burdensome Preparing for Christ's return means opening ourselves to the presence of the living God here and now. Putting on the armor of life, striving to create more room for the sacred to dwell in us. And this can be cause for joy. And guiding God's transformative love more deeply into the parts of us that are hurt or scared or uncertain, or traumatized, means that healing can happen now, that wholeness can be found there now. I think this is what it means to prepare, to be continually ready, to live acknowledging that Christ is present with us, and in us, and through us, and will one day be present with us in a more palpable my friends, Christ is coming. We don't know the details. We don't know how or when or exactly what it will look like. But we move forward in faith. We prepare in faith that one day Christ will come to make all things complete.
So let us move forward joyfully in these weeks of Advent as we prepare ourselves for all the Advent of Christ, for the historical Advent and the Nativity, for the coming of Christ into our lives now, and for the future coming in glory. Continually striving to live in a state of readiness to welcome our King of Love.